Welcome into Box Office Quarterbacks for a double dose of nerd shit. We have a jam-packed show for you today. A little bit of uh, sports talk will be at the end, but we are going to start with an animated movie that just dropped on HBO Max a few weeks ago. That would be Injustice. But before we get into our review for that, we are going to introduce uh, my co-hosts, Eric and Gerald. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm good. Good. Hey, you know, it's a nice night. We have a lot to talk about. Injustice, the trade deadline. I know, Jeff, when you once you saw the Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park trailer out, you were way too happy to add that onto the list of topics. Yeah, I watched it uh, 15 times today, and I was very distracted all day long. Uh, looking up Easter eggs and everything, and yeah, I this was uh, one of the the coolest uh, pop culture days for me because you had the trade deadline, you had Jurassic World come out, you got the premiere date of Better Call Saul. Uh, it was like a perfect day in my world, uh, so I, I am not complaining for sure. Fifteen times—that's a lot. We'll, we'll talk about that more later. I'm just. Excited, man. I'm excited to talk about this Injustice movie. Um, I just, I was, I think Eric was the one that pointed it out in the group. He was like, hey, uh, they dropped Injustice. I was like, why did I not know this was happening before? <laughs> Immediately started it, though. Yeah, so background on this movie. It's based on the video game series uh, Injustice, Gods Among Us, which, and it follows the basic plot, which is uh, Lois Lane and uh, Superman's unborn child are killed by the Joker. And that prompts Superman to go pretty much insane. And he becomes sort of a dictator for the world. And, you know, he thinks he's being a protector, but really he's the bad guy and Batman has to stop him. Uh, It's a crazy story. And I, I knew about it. I never played the games. But when I saw it on screen, I, I guess I really didn't know how violent and crazy it was going to be. But this this really surprised me. That's for sure. If there's one thing DC does well, it's their animated movies. Um, this one was violent. This one answered a long-standing question that fans of uh, Superman, others who've watched his movies, followed uh, the pop culture with him is that what would happen if Superman turned bad? And honestly, this movie showed that we would be screwed. Uh, not we, but um, residents or whatever uh, people in the comic book world would be screwed. If Superman ever decided, you know what? I'm going to become a dictator today and nobody's going to stop me. Yeah. Superman finally woke up and chose violence and, I mean, that's just pretty much what half this movie is, right? Seeing the things Superman can get away with because nobody's able to stop him. Um, but it, I, I still enjoyed it, even though knowing the storyline and everything, there were still some surprises for me that we'll get into it a little bit later. But um, overall, like I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, so this series, in partnership with DC, was created by NetherRealm Studios, who did Mortal Kombat. And they're the ones who, who came up with the basic story. And you can see kind of like Mortal Kombat fingerprints all over this. You know, obviously we're full spoilers at this point. 
because I don't really like to wait. But uh, in the first 10 minutes of this movie, the Joker kills Lois Lane or um, forces Superman to kill Lois Lane by taking her up to space. Uh, and you see the Joker getting a whole punch through his chest. It is uh, very crazy uh, to start things off. There are so many uh, different scenes that I think we need to talk about. So I think we should just go into our favorite scenes right away. And let's start with uh, you, Gerald. All right. So um, there's a lot of scenes I love in this, but I think one of my favorites is whenever they all those um, Joker supporters are partying in that dance club. Superman hears the music, shows up, and just murders them all. You know, teenagers, young young adults, um, probably some older people in that crowd. And, like, I, at this point, we already realized that Superman was bad, you know? But I think that was really the turning point for him as a character where he just fully embraced the screw everybody, I am the judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, Gerald, that was a great scene. I, I think one of my favorite scenes in the movie was uh, where Robin and Nightwing are in a fight and then Robin accidentally kills Nightwing and we saw what would happen. We saw how angry Batman got because of how much Nightwing meant to him. And he just in that moment was like, you know what? I'm disowning my own kid. And he pretty much exiled him, which led um, Robin to Ra's al Ghul, which again, we'll get into later. But uh, just to, just to see the contrast of um, what, Superman did when he lost someone that he cared about and what happens to Batman when he loses someone that he cares about. Yeah. That, that scene stood out for me too, Eric at at that point in the movie, like I knew this movie didn't pull any punches just based on the violence at the beginning, but to see Nightwing being accidentally killed by a baton, it was, it was crazy to see Uh, for me, uh, a scene that stands out would be towards the beginning the Flash is in this movie for two minutes, maybe. And he uh, goes to try to track down the Joker. He finds the Scarecrow dead in an underground lair in a subway. And he's killed right away. That was so crazy to see because that is a huge DC character just getting wiped out right away. And that's when I knew this movie was different. So, I mean, kudos to DC for upping the shock factor in this yeah, that definitely caught me. I thought that the Flash would actually like stay through till the end, and that one definitely caught me by surprise as well. And like you said, two minutes in, and he's gone. I'm like, whoa! And especially the way he goes too, um, with the with the gas, and he just goes crazy. Um, yeah, that that's when you knew. Yeah, we're we're gonna be in for something here. Yeah, and I mean, as you mentioned, Jeff, this movie was not pulling any punches at all. I mean, list of the characters that were murdered in some of them the first half hour of this movie. Jimmy Olsen shot in the face. Um, Scarecrow, The Flash, Lois Lane, um, The Joker, Dick Grayson, Solomon Grundy. Like, I'm going down this list I found online. The Adam, Martha Kent, Jonathan Kent, The Green Arrow, um, a whole bunch of unnamed teenagers, Hawkman, Cyborg, and Amazo. Man. It's just a crazy amount of people they just killed off in this DC universe. And that, that actually brings me uh, brings up a memory of this movie. I did like Harley Quinn and Green Arrow together. That was a very interesting pairing 
and I thought it worked pretty well. I honestly thought they, yeah, I honestly thought they're going to end up like teaming up by the end of the movie, but green arrow gets killed off. Yeah. I I like it too, because, um, you know, I think in in some of the animated shows and like, I mean, comic history with Harley Quinn, you'll see her occasionally try to like help the good side and stuff. So maybe be able to help Batman and green arrow is a similar character from Batman with the whole no killing thing and act doing a night, the whole vigilante. It's got a lot of, some of the same villains using the shows to, for the CW. So what I'm saying is like, it seemed like the perfect matchup and it really worked out. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's not really any bad scenes in this movie. Uh, if you guys have any, throw them out, but I, I pretty much enjoyed it. And it's not too long of a movie, so it really keeps your attention the entire time. I think it's about an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, they had me at Justin Hartley as the as the voice cast for Superman. And I, I, I rock with Justin Hartley because, you know, I get in touch with my emotional side when I watch This Is Us. So <laughs> yeah, they, they, they definitely had me at that casting. Hey, I got to I haven't checked that show out, so so no judgment. Eric, no judgment for me, but, uh, yeah. So you like that voice casting. I think we should get into, uh, our favorite characters of the movie. Shall we? Uh, I'll let you guys start. Cause I got to think about it for a little bit. Honestly, my favorite character was probably Superman because I, the way he's portrayed, obviously he's a good guy. He's supposed to be what humanity should strive for. And obviously he's, um, he's perfection. The only thing that can defeat him is a rock from another planet that most people don't have the resources to get. So he's pretty much unbeatable. And that's what's made, I don't know, for me, when he's been in live action as a boring character. So it's just like, what can you, how can you beat somebody who can't be beaten? But this movie shows the other side of Superman. And it was good to see him on the other side it was good to never losing somebody is never good to watch but it was good to see his emotion it was good to see um his feelings because he's honestly been stoic during uh any live action films and this one i i I liked because it just showed a different side of him yeah his emotion was great and everything was kind of understandable of what he was doing um i just like you said i don't care superman stories that much usually because the fact that like they're all going to end the same way um either they get another superman from an, another human timeline universe whatever or they find a, a lot of kryptonite that is somehow buried somewhere within the earth and they're able to save it and use it and power him down until he goes back to normal um it's just a little too predictive predictable to me but i did enjoy him in this one he's not my favorite my favorite was batman actually because um, Batman's whole deal is like he doesn't kill and he wants to hold up to certain virtues for hope, to give people hope um, in a dark city, in a dark place, whatever. Um, and he watched the hope of the world diminish in front of his eyes. Like he, his hope to save the Joker taken away by his best friend and his best friend turning to a dictator and everything. And Batman very well himself could have turned into an asshole, but he didn't. And he kept like... He's the whole driving force, the emotional force for me. I mean, this dude lost Dick Grayson. I think after Dick died, he said, like, not another one. And then he had to lose his son, too, at the same time. Um, so it's like I think just the emotional drive from the story, I think a lot of it comes from Batman. 
Yeah, usually I go bat like obviously Batman's my favorite superhero, but I'm not gonna go Batman number one for this movie. I, I'm actually gonna do a dark horse candidate who we haven't talked about yet, and that would be Plastic Man. I thought Plastic Man was hilarious in this movie. Uh he I don't know, he reminded me of like a cartoon version of Ryan Reynolds. If Ryan Reynolds wasn't already Deadpool, I would want him to play this character in live action. Uh, I don't know much about him, but he just brought, you know, bouts of comic relief when you really needed it, because this is a very, very dark story. And that's why he stood out for me. Yeah, Plastic Man is a good a good um, choice. I definitely like the the comic levity that he brought to the film. Um, yeah, I don't know. Batman didn't do it for me in this one. Um, I, honestly, I mean, Batman was never my favorite superhero anyway. Um, Cyborg, I felt like we didn't really see much of, or he didn't really speak too much. Um, Wonder Woman, I, 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 I liked. I mean, I guess, I guess I just liked the villains in this one. Yeah, like, I mean, I was thinking about it, too. I mean, Plastic Man's a good one for, like, a number two. Paul put Superman number three. And then, like, after that, it's, like, Harley Quinn. Um, even the Joker, because of his scheme and his part in it. Um, very classic Joker, like, ingenious idea that, you know, superheroes who just go headstrong into a situation don't really look at the grand scheme of things. So, I mean, yeah, I think I think you're right. There's a, there's a good amount of villains in here that are really good. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of characters that, you know, I don't normally care about that I'm going to kind of round out my list with. And number two, I'd put Superman. Superman is my least favorite superhero of all time, but he's number two on my list here for everything that Eric said at the beginning. Uh, just to see him out of his elements and to see him as a villain, it it's just nice. It's a nice change of pace. Uh, for number three, I'm going to go Catwoman. Uh, I thought her emotional, you know, ties to Bruce were very good, especially when he loses Dick Grayson and she's the one that goes to check on him. So she would be three for me. Um, I'm going to round it out four with Batman, I guess. I didn't I did not really like him in this movie, to be honest. I thought he was very forgettable. Um, number five, Mr. Terrific. That is um, a very random one, but he had a lot to do in this story. And I liked him a lot better than what was uh, put on screen on the CW when they brought that character to life. So that'll be my top five. Yeah. That's not a bad top five. It's not a bad top five. But yeah, I always forget that Mr. Terrific was on the CW. I just, I, I, I try to forget it, but I just forget it all the time. I mean, Hey, it, it was on the CW. So it's pretty forgetful, forgettable. Yeah. So uh, round out your top five guys. Um, so I, I had Superman one, uh, Wonder Woman two. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'll go with the Joker three, Catwoman four. Uh, and even though she, she didn't have too much screen time, I'm gonna go Lois Lane five because of her importance. Yeah, it's not bad. We wouldn't have a story. Without her, she is the emotional core of everything. So I, I like that list a lot. 
But uh, yeah, let's uh, get to our final rating. Uh, Peyton might complicate it. He was not a fan of this movie, I guess. But for me, I mean, honestly, DC doesn't really go wrong with animated movies at all. I can't, I mean, I'm going to put it in all-star. It was good. It held my attention. I loved it. I want to see a sequel, and I really want to play uh, the games now, because I haven't played the games. And I love Mortal Kombat, and I love fighting games, so I'm sure this is going to be right up my alley. Dang, you said all-star. Um, I'm going to give it a starter. I'm going to give it a starter. Um. DC makes great animated films. Um, my favorite one probably is Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. And I think this one was just a little bit below that one. Again, uh, uh, and Justice, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, Flash is such a major point in it. And this one, Flash is, like we said, touched on, gone in... 30 seconds, no pun intended, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, that's the one I'm going to have to knock him on. I wish Flash played more of a major role, um, but I also didn't really care for Robin. He just seemed like a little bit of a brat, and the his arc in the movie I didn't like. I, well, I didn't like, but I also didn't care for. I would watch it again. This didn't make me want to play the games. I would like I, I'm gonna stick with my rating. I'm gonna go with starter. Nice. Um, starter and all star both fair. I'm getting. I'm having trouble picking between the two. Um, I do like this movie. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. It's a different take that you get from normal DC movies. Um, I don't think this is Infinity War or Endgame good or anything like that at this point, but I do think it's a good movie that you need to watch if you're a DC fan. Um, if you're a Superman fan, Batman fan, maybe even a Wonder Woman fan, um, stuff like that. But at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, and as Eric and Jeff have pointed out, like the Flash is a big DC character, and he's in it for all of like a minute and a half. Um, he probably would have died against Superman anyway, but still like give him a longer lifespan. Um, and... As I mentioned prior, like I'm not a huge fan of Superman being the villain stories because there's only one or two ways those ends, and it never ends with Superman actually dying because he's either put into a coma or he wakes up and comes back to life. Um, so I think I'm going to stick with Starter. Actually, I'm agree with Eric. Go Starter. Yeah, and like Eric said, uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, that movie is crazy as hell. If you want to see a violent DC movie, that one has the most violence I think I've seen in an animated movie in a long time. That one is definitely hard R and it's, it's what Zack Schneider's justice league that came out in the four hour cut wanted to be, I think. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next point. Zack Schneider was pretty much planning a, um, injustice film series with his justice league trilogy uh, when you look at, you know, the the epilogue of the new cut of his film and then his plans were to have uh, Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane get together and then Lois Lane dies and then Superman goes crazy. There's a lot of crazy stuff that uh, you guys can look up on the Internet to see. But uh, he definitely was a fan of the Injustice games. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
I'm telling you again, we can't stress it enough. If you like DC animated films, watch Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. It, 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 Even if you don't like DC animated films, or if you don't like animated films in general, I would watch this and give it a chance. Um, and then start watching all the actual DC animated movies because if where DC screws up in live action, it makes up for in worlds with all of its animated content. Yeah, it's weird. It's like opposite Marvel uh, with, with DC. But yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with anything from that library. Uh, my Mine is still uh, Under the Red Hood is my favorite. And yeah, I mean, just pick your poison. It's uh, on HBO Max. They have pretty much every DC animated movie ever made. The uh, Batman animated series and all of that. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we move on to uh, Jurassic World talk? No, I'm good. All right, I'm about to get real excited here. The I watched floor this trailer. is yours. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, thank you. It is a moment I've been waiting for in this show. I've watched this trailer 15 times, and have I been burned before by the Jurassic World franchise? I have, but uh, third time hopefully is the charm. You have uh, not only dinosaurs living out in the open uh, with the rest of the world, but you have the three original characters from the original trilogy back, which is Ian Malcolm, uh, Ellie Sadler, and Ellen Grant. I was so psyched to see them show up in this trailer. And I had no idea that this was coming until I woke up today, and then I lost my mind. Um, my my first thoughts are just pretty much joy in everything. This is my favorite series of all time. You guys were at my wedding. You heard the Jurassic Park theme song play. Um, I love everything about this, and I can't wait. I mean, am I am I wrong? They brought in, um, Goldblum back for the last one, right? And he only had a few minutes. Yeah, the he was he was like a glorified cameo in uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, but he's part of the action now. And you see in the trailer um, that he's you know with the main group when the dinosaurs attack. Uh, Oh, it's so good. I really love that the Dilophosaurus is back too, which is the spitter from the first movie. That was like my favorite dinosaur as a kid. And it it scared the crap out of me when I first saw it. And the fact that it took him five movies to come back to it, uh, it's always been disappointing that I haven't seen it again. And I'm happy that that dinosaur in particular is back. I didn't watch um, Fallen Kingdom uh, just because... Jeff, you're my friend, and I've realized how much this means to you. I think I might check out Dominion. And honestly, I I I never cared for dinosaurs. They don't Ooh. exist. They never existed. So Well, Eric, they exist in my heart, but I'm happy you're gonna watch this movie for me. Um <laughs> that's why you're one of my best friends. But uh yeah, this is this is my Star Wars. I would say Um, I'm like a huge nerd for this stuff, but I don't know. We were talking in the, in the group chat today. It's like, would you ever name your kids after a star Wars character? I don't know if I name my kids after a Jurassic world character, but I don't know who knows jury's out. You'd have to talk to my wife on that one, I guess. But (laughs) Um, yeah. Any other final thoughts on this before we move on to the trade deadline? That didn't really do much. 
All right. So now we're getting into the sports portion of our show. Uh, we're trying something a little bit different. We're going to lead with movie stuff and uh, go into sports. But I, I mean, today was a big day for box office QBs because you had all this movie news and then you had uh, the NBA trade deadline. There were two big moves, I think. Uh, that would be uh, James Harden and Ben Simmons trading places uh, in Brooklyn and Philadelphia. I mean, Ben Simmons kind of became like a scapegoat in Philadelphia after the playoffs last year. And you can tell James Harden just wasn't happy with the situation in Brooklyn, uh, especially with Kyrie Irving playing half the time. It just seems like they can never really get on the same page. So what do you think about this trade and the fits for these two superstars trading places? Honestly, I don't think and no, I don't think either team lost the trade. I think they both got what they wanted and needed. Um, when I think about, like, people are talking about, oh, the Nets got two first round picks from from the Sixers, but if the Sixers are good, that's it. First round picks in the NBA, especially if they're not in the lottery, uh, they you don't really find in packed players like it will take uh you rarely well not rarely but impact players that are not in the lottery are are more difficult to find and that's a lot that would have to deal with like you have to have a good scouting team uh a good a good front office to make sure you find those gems so i mean giving up the two first round picks that's that's to philly i guess it's whatever um, I guess the one thing that I'd probably say that the the Nets got out of um, out of the Sixers is Seth Curry. Yes, he's not good on defense, but he is probably one of the top ten best shooters in the NBA. So going to a team that already has Kevin Durant, and now you have um, Ben Simmons, who we know he's not going to shoot, but he's great with floor vision. So he'll be able to he'll be able to find the open shooters, especially with all the coverage that KD and whenever Kyrie hits the floor, um, they'll be able to, to find, he'll be able to find that. And it just gives them so much more spacing. I like the Andre Drummond pickup because it gives them a big, um, that will be able to bruise down low with the likes of Joel Embiid and Giannis. Um, right now they were relying on LaMarcus Aldridge and another player, Speedy Claxton, but he's tall, but doesn't really have the strength or he's not really built to be knocking around with Joel Embiid and, and Giannis and guys like that. Um, for the Sixers, they got James Harden. And I think I think James Harden's really being like scapegoated, like, oh, it's the second time he wanted out of a, uh, out of a team. Yes, he strong-armed Houston to leave. But in this situation, he probably thought, he was going to a situation where everything was settled. Um, but then obviously, you know, you're dealing with the pandemic and then now the after effects, uh, Kyrie doesn't want to be vaccinated. So um, in New York, you got to play half the games. And for someone like him, if you, I saw something online where uh, I think it was tweeted out by Bill Simmons. He made a great point that from 2009 to 2020, James Harden only missed 45 games. So he's, He's a durable player, especially with 
um, his style of play, like it really isn't, it's not really catered towards like athleticism where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to run and dunk and do all those things. Like he's smooth. He knows how to use his body. Um, he's able to figure it out offensively. Um, I think that now with him being in Houston, he can go back. I mean, being in Philadelphia, he can go back to playing the pick and roll game that's made him successful where he was in Houston. And another thing that I saw too that made me that made me chuckle a little bit. Um, they equated James Harden going to Brooklyn with Katie and Kyrie as someone who is cool, who you're cool with somebody, but you're not, but you're not as cool with that person's friend. So he's pretty much the friend of a friend. And he's like, you know what? This is not my guy. So, I mean, I can leave anytime. So I, I think James Hart is really getting scapegoated in this. Um, I'm excited to see what he would, how him and Joel are going to, are going to fit because Joel is playing at an MVP level and it's good to see another perimeter, all NBA player. So they can both unlock each other. Hey, so this is the second time. James Harden has reunited with a Thunder player that he played with, and he ends up leaving that team via trade. Oh, yeah, yeah that's he was with Russ in Houston. Yeah. And speaking of Russ, uh, how surprising was it to you guys that the Lakers didn't make a move today? Because uh, Russell Westbrook has been getting a lot of hate in L.A., and I mean – his shooting performances haven't been great as of late or really the entire season. But I mean, I heard rumors earlier in the day that he was going to get traded back to Houston for John wall. Uh, there were a variety of different things, but the Lakers are a mess right now. Uh, they didn't make a move and they're instead going to focus on the buyout market. Uh, whoever that's going to be Gary Harris at this point, uh, there's some other veterans that might be there. I thought they would make a move for Jeremy Grant in Detroit, but that didn't happen. So at this current stage of the game, I don't think the Lakers are built to make a deep run in the playoffs. I mean, from all the reports that we've seen, the only valuable asset that they have was Taylor Horton Tucker. And it's just like when teams know you're desperate, it's like, why would we even deal with you? Like there's no way that nobody was going to take Russell Westbrook's contract. Um, honestly, to me, the best trade chip that the Lakers have with the roster that they currently have is Anthony Davis, but they're not, they're never going to consider trading Anthony Davis. So they're stuck with the way they are. And like, I like LeBron, but we all know that he's the one that has to say in this roster and, he just miscalculated when it came to Russ. Like, okay. And it's also sad to see Russ being an L.A. guy going back to play for his L.A. Lakers. And, yes, he's not playing well, but the fans have just – they don't care. They're just like, we don't care, like, if you built Crypto Arena, whatever it's called now. If you stink on the court, we're, we're not going to rock with you. And, it, and for an L.A. kid, that has got to hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's got to hurt, but this is kind of Russell's deal. Like He he does this a lot, um, have the first half of a season that's either average or not that great. Everybody's like, what the hell's going on with him? Find reasons to blame it. And then second half of the season, he explodes. Um, I don't know if that'll happen again this year. I haven't kept up enough with it. But uh, 
Like this sounds a lot like a storyline I've heard a lot in Oklahoma City. Differences, like you said, LA. LA is less patient. Um, the media out there is going to have a lot bigger of an eye on you. Um, it's his hometown, so I'm sure he's feeling worse about it and everything. So I mean, it sucks for him. I hate seeing it for him, but I I think Russ will be fine. I think at the end of the day, the Lakers will be glad they didn't trade him. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. the The West is pretty; it, it's top heavy right now. I I think the Suns are gonna be tough to get past, regardless of who the other seeds are at this point. Uh, and that would include the Dallas Mavericks, who this was surprising because I I didn't really see this move coming. But Kristaps uh, Porzingis was traded to Washington, kind of out of the blue today. Um, that move when it first went down, when he was first traded to Dallas, you know, that was supposed to be a game changer. He was supposed to be with Luca for, you know, the next 20 years. This would be the next great duo. But I mean, here we are, what, two or three years into that experiment and it's over. So that one took me by surprise. Yeah. And that one, that one took me by surprise as well, because I'm surprised they even found a team to take him because he's been so unavailable with health issues and whether it's a knee or an ankle or a foot or whatever, he just has had trouble staying on the floor since he had that ACL uh, his final year with the Knicks. Um, Yeah. I I, I don't know, but like the, the trade doesn't really make sense to me because then the the Mavericks already have Jalen Brunson, who's having a career year at the lead guard. So who's going to handle the ball? And you really would want Luka to have the ball in his hands 70% of the time. And Dinwiddie's good with the ball. I don't really see him playing off the ball. And then they decided to give Dorian Finney-Smith 50-something million instead of just waiting till the offseason. But... um. I don't understand what the Mavericks did today. I mean, I and I've saw reports where Goran Dragic will be like one of the leading candidates to to sign with the Mavs because he was he played with Luca on the Slovenian team, um, which brings another guard to to Dallas if that were to happen. And it, and it's not really making sense right now. Yeah, it was just kind of out of the blue uh, to just even get what they got back uh, for him um, in that trade. But uh, there were a lot of smaller trades too that went uh, down throughout the day. Uh, Eric's team was pretty active. Uh, You got Derek White from uh, the San Antonio Spurs, which I thought was a pretty underrated move. Uh, I, I mean, I thought he was a guy that pop liked and, um, he, he was like a hero in the playoffs a few years ago against the Nuggets. Um, I, w- I was shocked that he got traded. Yeah. Cause if I was not expecting him to be the one that goes from San Antonio, maybe Keldon Johnson, maybe, um, I honestly thought DeJounte Murray would have gotten traded, um, more than Derek white because of, uh, how DeJounte Murray's playing and how what you could have gotten for him. Um, I'll take him on the Celtics, another uh, another 3 and D guy that can handle the ball as a backup point guard now since uh, 
Dennis Schroeder was traded. Um, he's going to be with us. He's under contract for three years. So it's also a movable contract. If, over the summer, if the Celtics decide, hey, we want to go for a big-name player, that's an, that's another uh, another contract or another asset that you'd like to have. Um, I liked how they reshaped the team because now with a closing lineup of smart, white, Brown, Tatum, and Rob Williams, who I've been impressed with this season, that's a great defensive lineup, and those guys will be able to lock down almost anybody. Yeah, Celtics are, uh, you know, making some moves here. I think they're going to get back into it uh, as far as the Eastern Conference race goes, and that race is wide open right now. I think the Heat are randomly the the number one seed. Um, it would be funny though if Dennis Schroeder did find his way back to the Lakers after uh, turning down all that money last year. I think that would be pretty hilarious. Um, Anything else you guys want to add about the trade deadline before we get out of here? No. All right. Well, we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, nerd shit, sports. You, you got the you got the full uh, scope of things today, and it's going to be like that next week too. Because we have a big, big game coming up on Sunday. The biggest game uh, of the year. The Super Bowl. Uh, and once again, uh, it is Gerald versus Ryan. Uh, Bengals versus Rams. Whoever wins picks a future movie that we're going to do. Uh, so Gerald, I need you to win this. I need you to pray to Joe Burrow or something to get this done. Um I need it to happen. I cannot watch Cold Mountain. <laughs> Wait, is that the, the movie that? Bad. I'm going to pick something so bad. Just, just, just to. I will watch Human Centipede. I do not care. Oh, no, uh, no, no. I'm not. We're not doing that. And I'm not, like, Ryan won't even cuss on the podcast. Do you think he's going to want us to talk about that movie? He might choose chaos. We don't know. He might choose chaos this time. Wait, Cold Mountain is Ryan's choice? Cold Mountain, Titanic. Oh, um, my God. The oh Godfather God. Part 2. I haven't seen The Godfather Part 1, so that'll be very weird. Uh, so there are some choices in there. Gerald, please, when I cannot watch Titanic again, even though it's a good movie, I do not. Listen, I'll sit down for three and a half hours for a, a, a superhero movie, but I cannot sit down for three hours to watch the Titanic. Like I said, it's a good movie, but man, oh man, I got to I gotta make sure I clear my schedule and fit. Oh, I can't do it. Please, Gerald. Three, three hours is half my shift at work almost. Like I'm not. I'm not trying to do that either. Um, but you guys keep saying please me, but like the Bengals are the ones we need to be th- like begging right now because the Bengals have to beat the Rams. So, <sighs> Joe Burrow, I know you listen to this podcast. So please win this game for us on Sunday. I know that is your number one priority. Uh, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. But thank you guys uh, so much for joining us for another exciting edition of Box Office Quarterbacks. We're going to be back next week to recap the Super Bowl. Um, As always, follow us on social media. But until then, I'm Jeffrey Gordon. And for Eric and Gerald, we are good friends. Real talk. We will see you guys next week.